What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Rest of Season Rankings Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Seifter, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Bart Wheeler. How's it going, Bart? Going great, Andrew. How about yourself? Not too bad, man. It's Wednesday night here. We are officially on opening day eve, so oh, yeah. I am uh, stoked like most uh, baseball fanatics out there. It's uh, The wait is finally over. It's here. Opening day. I'm, I'm ready, to, ready to get into um, some of these news and notes we're seeing. We're going to talk some movers and shakers in our rankings. We've got our overall rankings up on rosrankings.com. And then um, I know you you aren't a big bold predictions guy. You've you've self proclaimed, but I kind of <laughs> like doing this shoot from the hip stuff, you know, and just throwing some stuff out there and see if it sticks. So I'm excited to get into yeah, it. Yeah, it's always fun. I mean, there's no you know, it's it's always a little tricky because it's you want things that could have some chance of actually happening, but you also uh, <laughs> want it to be interesting. So it's about yeah. finding that fine line. But I think I came up with a good mix today, and we're gonna make our listeners wait till the end of the show for the bold <laughs> predictions. So, of course, you can always just skip ahead if you want to, but I would not recommend that because uh, we just put out some updated rankings right here on dra- on uh, opening day eve. Uh, we got over 400 players currently ranked and up on rosrankings.com, and we are going to talk about the players that have shifted the most since last Wednesday when we put out our uh, initial rankings. So, uh, there's going to be a lot to discuss there, but we will start, as Bart alluded to, with the news and notes. Um, and we've got kind of three main categories of news and notes this week, I'd say. We have injury news, we have rookie news, and we have trade news. So there's a lot to get to. Uh, let's start with a couple starting pitchers who we found out are going to miss uh, the first two months at least of the season. And that would be Lance Lynn and Chris Sale. Um we knew these guys were hurt. We didn't know exactly how long it would be. Uh, but it's especially with Sale, I was a little caught off guard there. I was hoping that it wouldn't quite be that full two months. So I was very disappointed with that. Um, but what about you, Bart? What, where would you, how would you evaluate these two pitchers compared to each other? Yeah, I mean, I actually dropped them in my rankings. Well, I, I had Sale already a bit farther down, kind of thinking he would, he would miss a month or two. And then, you know, the Lance Lynn thing, yeah, I wouldn't say it. I mean, kind of popped up out of nowhere a little bit. So I had him ranked much higher and then moved him down. And I actually moved them down right into a similar area, uh, right there with Jacob deGrom. Uh, so I don't know if you got, you have all of them in the same area, but they're all just outside of my top 100, along with Fernando Tatis. <laughs> so in my overall, I'm kind of looking at all these guys. I, have, I actually have Fernando Tatis, even though he's probably going to miss three months. I have him sort of the head of this tier of injured guys and then i have sale and then i have lynn and then i have Degrom in that order oh interesting okay well i have i agree with you on tatis i have him first (laughs) uh but i i actually don't have Degrom that much further below tatis because i think Degrom has a similar level of upside to tatis and right uh that's the difference for me i mean with tatis we know it's three months but then the nice thing is he should be back after that. You mm-hmm. know, with DeGrom, it could be a lot less than three months, but it also could be the whole season if yeah. things don't go right. So that's the scary part with DeGrom. Uh, but the upside, like we've talked about before, last season he threw 92 innings and was still <laughs> one of the best players in fantasy. So um, he can do a lot in a little. 
Uh, I have a bit of distance between these guys, honestly, though, in my rankings, because okay. I have Sale uh, sort of halfway in between DeGrom and Lynn, and I have Lynn at the bottom. And the reason for that is just because I don't think Lynn has the kind of statistical upside uh, that these other guys have. I mean, I think if you had to rank it on a scale of 1 to 10 on upside, I'd say like Tatis is a 10, DeGrom is a 10, <laughs> Sale is like an 8, and Lynn is like a five or something, yeah. you know? Yeah, five so, or six. yeah. yeah exactly. That's so fair. for me, that's why knowing he and Sale are both going to miss two months. Um, and I'm, I'm sort of assuming that both of them should be able to come back pretty soon after that. Uh, I just like Sale's upside a lot more than Lynn. So to me, that's, that's why there's a little bit of a, a gap in, in my rankings for those two guys. Yeah. And I think just, just to di- differentiate for me between Sale and Lynn is that they're not dealing with, an issue with their throwing arm or throwing shoulder. So right. that's why I, I have DeGrom at the bottom of that tier, but I kind of have them all together. Cause if, if I was doing a last minute draft, let's say, <laughs> then maybe I would, you know, have them in that order. But by the time people are listening to this, it's going to be open in day and people are, aren't, aren't doing any more drafts. I don't think they have their teams and then they'll be just right. looking at rest of season stuff. So, but you know, honestly, the big picture though, if you do have IL spots in your league and most leagues do, especially after the whole COVID thing, I think, if anything, leagues have even more IL spots. The league I'm in now has four IL spots. Yeah. Uh, so that makes it a lot more comfortable to stash these guys for a few months and just hope that you can get that serious upside in the second half of the season. So fret not if you've got uh, these guys on your roster. They could still make some noise before it's all said and done. Yep. Uh, another guy who always seems to be hurt is Steven Strasburg. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I, you know, I don't think we can really expect a whole lot from Steven Strasburg at this point, but he's still one of those guys that's never really bad when he's healthy, uh, right. you know, which is kind of a nice thing in a way, especially in those leagues with those IL spots. Uh, so there's there's rumors, at least uh, their general manager, Rizzo, is saying he hopes that Strasburg can be back around May 1st. Um, so I, I would certainly stash him in one of those four IL mm-hmm. spots if he wasn't already on somebody else's team. Uh because we've seen with Steven Strasburg, I mean, he has had a, he, I mean, just a sub four ERA basically every year of his entire career, you know, and uh 321 career ERA. He didn't really show much drop off. In fact, in 2019, he had arguably his best season ever. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, he's been very injured since then as, as usual, but uh, he's definitely a good stash, I would say. Yeah, I would say so too. And then another guy who, probably won't miss as much as uh, time as Strasburg is uh, Mike Clevenger. So he's going to start on the IL, but he may just miss one turn in the rotation, you know, maybe two, I guess, but uh, he won't, he won't be, I guess it could be about the same time as, as Strasburg, but maybe a little bit sooner. So hopefully we can I'm see what he can so. do in, uh, in San Diego. <laughs> finally. <laughs> yeah. I've got Clevenger on, on one of my teams. So I'm very much hoping that he's back relatively quickly sooner than Strasburg, but Players are, of course, famously optimistic about their ailments, so he hopes he only misses one turn in the rotation. Whether that's true or not remains to be seen, but this is another one that is a knee injury and not an arm injury, so uh, I mean, I guess he's had a little bit of elbow soreness maybe as well, but I think it's mostly the knee that is why he's just, it's almost like he's being described as a little behind schedule rather than actually hurt at the moment, so that's somewhat reassuring although with the guy with his injury history uh you know (laughs) you you just kind of have to have to wait and see a little bit 
some other injuries. So Josh Rojas, he was a guy I was pretty excited about as a sleeper. Uh, but now it sounds like he is going to be out for weeks, not days. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, for me, he was fringy enough before that, like, uh, I don't really feel a need to stash him in, like, a 10 or 12-team league at this point. No. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, he's dealing with um, – what sort of an injury is it? It's an oblique strain. So, yeah, I mean, that can – that can linger a little bit if you try to rush back um, in terms of, of the hitting. So, yeah, I would. I bet they take it slow with him. They have nothing to play for anyway. So, <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. So I think he's a watchless guy at this point. Yeah, and then uh, another guy you were you liked a lot more than Rojas who talked about was Riley Green, uh, yeah. the rookie. He's got a fractured foot. He's. I think he's probably on a similar timetable to like a Lance Lynn or a six to eight weeks, something like that. Of course, Riley Green's a lot younger. Uh, different injury, so but um, I think maybe we'll see Riley Green back a little bit sooner than a, a Lance Lynn. Um, but yeah, yeah, and he's definitely a player I would absolutely stash. Uh, yeah, the you know, problem the Tigers is are you can't oh, stash him in you can't stash him in an IL spot because he's still in the minors technically. So, oh no! So if you're really? on Yahoo, I don't know. It could be league by league, but if you're on Yahoo, you're going to see that little minor league symbol <sighs> next to him. That's brutal. Yeah, so that makes it tough to stash him, honestly. Um, you may, it depends on your league size and everything, of course. But like, he's probably a guy that'll just go undrafted and keep an eye on. Is like maybe in a month you pick him up a little bit ahead of when he's due to kind of come up. That's really rough. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't notice that. I mean, you know, playing in this keeper league, he was a guy that went pretty early in the dra- in our draft, and uh, yep. I feel bad for the team that has him now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Now. His teammate, Spencer Torkelson, who you know I'm all about, and I have him on my team, and he is healthy, and he will be starting on opening day. Oh, yeah. Uh, so it's officially wheels up for Spencer Torkelson. Uh, Bobby Witt as well, Julio Rodriguez. I mean, these are the future faces of the game, it seems like, <laughs> and they're all going to be uh, out there on opening day. It's kind of refreshing, I feel like, to see the Royals and the and the Tigers not playing service time manipulation games with their star guys this season. That's a nice little change, I would say. Yeah, and I, I really thought that with, with Rodriguez, I didn't think he was going to come up right away. Because, you know, the Mariners just traded for uh, Winker, and I'm pulling up roster resource, and I'm looking at their lineup, you know, in their outfield. I guess they're they're thinking Winker will DH. You know, they've got Hanniger, uh, Kellenick, and then they're, they're projecting Julio Rodriguez out there in center. And I guess... Maybe Kyle Lewis is uh, injured right now too, so maybe that helps the situation. So we'll see if hopefully Julio Rodriguez, you know, hits the ground running, and we don't see him back in the minors when Kyle Lewis is healthy or something like that. Yeah, I I, I like his chances, but you yeah. never know with rookies. But yeah, I mean, he was so dynamic this spring. I think mm-hmm. he kind of forced their hand, and especially after uh, they took their fair share of criticism for how they handled Jared Kelnick last season uh, with the service time manipulation. So I think. That might have also worked in Julio Rodriguez's favor. A uh, couple other guys also on a fairly small market team uh, that, that are getting the quick call. Nick Lodolo and Hunter Green mm-hmm. are both going to be in the Reds opening rotation to start the season. Uh, which of those two guys do you prefer in fantasy? Well, I mean, I'm not like we didn't we didn't even mention these guys when we did our starting pitcher, you know, podcast. We didn't even get this deep. Um so I, I need to kind of look into these guys. I don't have them on any fantasy teams. I, I'm not even really sure which which guy has a little bit more upside. I mean, I guess from what I've heard, it, it sounds like Lodolo might be a little bit 
more intriguing, but maybe, I mean, which one of these guys is the one who has the, I mean, is throwing <laughs> gas in spring training? I don't know which one has like the better tool set even. Um, well, I think they both have a great tool set. I think on the pure stuff, uh, it, it's probably Hunter Green. Um, but I think that uh, Lodolo might be a little bit more polished. Uh, so for that reason, I, I'm sort of leaning towards uh, towards Lodolo. But we'll have to see. I, I, they should both be rostered. I mean, these guys both have tons of upside. I mean, uh, they, they both have really great stuff. They both put up huge strikeout rates uh, throughout the minor leagues. Um, so, you know, it's a it's a pretty favorable division to pitch in. Uh, not a favorable ballpark, of course. <laughs> yeah, and I'm looking uh, at but, their their rotation, you know, outside of Tyler uh, Molly, you know, Vladimir Gutierrez, um, and then, of course, Luis Castillo's injured. They I guess they, they got Mike Miner, who's almost 35 years old, and he's injured. So, yeah, these guys are getting their shots. It's it's exciting to see. Uh, I don't know if, I don't know how many how many games the Reds are going to win, <laughs> but at least we get to see these rookies soon. Yeah, I mean, the, I guess the reason I re, I lean Lodolo is you might not be surprised to know the walk rate. Um, <laughs> in, in its forty four innings in Double A last year, one point eight four walks per nine. You compare that to Hunter Green, he he walked over three batters per nine in both Double uh, A and Triple A last season. So, you know, I I feel like. You don't want to be your own worst enemy when you're making your big league debut, and I feel a little more confident in Lodola on that front. Yeah, I'm guessing Hunter Green's probably the fireballer then between the two. Oh, he th- <laughs> yeah. Oh, he throws some serious gas. Yeah. yeah. Um, so then Matt Brash, we were talking about the Mariners a bit, and Matt Brash is going to be get that fifth spot in the rotation, I think, there. So another guy to keep on your radar. Another guy we didn't really talk about much, you know, because it was so deep, and you know, these are guys that pop up in spring training, and then we're kind of scrambling to get him in our <laughs> updated ranking so he'll be in yeah. there as well he's another one sort of like hunter green where uh the control could be an issue but the strikeout stuff is definitely there mm-hmm. uh i i just i generally love stashing guys like this i mean early in the season because these guys could be huge breakout players you know so uh if especially if you're you know you can always stream later and pick up some boring kind of veteran, you know, Marco Gonzalez type pitchers <laughs> yeah. uh, will always be out there on the waiver wire in most, in, unless you play in a really deep format, you know, those guys are always going to be out there to stream. Um, but uh, these guys could be like front of the, the fantasy rotation type of arms if if it all clicks for them. So I would definitely recommend picking picking up any of these young hurlers that are available. Yeah. And then one more rookie on our list here was Bryson Stott, who made the Phillies opening day roster. Um not sure what this if this is good news or bad news for Alec Bohm, but it, it's not good news. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's necessarily bad news, but it's um, you know he feels like pretty bad news to me. <laughs> maybe they platoon him, uh, you know, because yeah. one can <laughs> bat against righties more and one against lefties more. So that that might that's probably what they're thinking. Yeah, I mean, I kind of liked Bohm as maybe a bounce back, kind of sneaky deeper sleeper kind of player coming into the season, but. This really kills uh, kills that appeal. I mean, uh, Stott is the uh, left-handed hitter, so if it is a straight platoon, he's the one that's going to play more. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I uh, I moved Bohm way down my rankings this yeah. week. Um, then there's a few veterans uh, who are on the move. The um, Oakland A's are continuing their fire sale. So if you if you need a pitcher, <laughs> uh, go ahead and go to Oakland. 
Uh, Sean Manea is now a Padre, and there's still rumors that Frankie Montas could be the next one gone. So <laughs> stay tuned there. If you drafted Frankie Montas, then, you know, he might throw in Oakland for a little bit, or he might not. He might be on, on the move, too. <laughs> yeah. Are you are you bumping Manaya up your rankings based on the new home uh, team? You know, Oakland's a nice ballpark to throw into. So, I mean, they have a better, he's got a better lineup uh, with run support there in San Diego. So I think I moved him. I have to look, but I think I probably moved him up like up a pitching tier, you know, so I might've mm-hmm. moved him up a handful of spots, but nothing major now. Yeah. That sounds about right. I wouldn't dramatically adjust my expectations for him based on that. Uh, another trade that went down and this kind of ties into that Riley green injury, mm-hmm. uh, the tigers mean business and they went out and acquired Austin Meadows. Uh, so this kind of has ramifications for both Detroit and Tampa Bay uh, with the tigers you know, Meadows, we'll see. There's You can make an argument that it's going to be uh, an upgrade for him because um, he crushes uh, right-handed pitching. And there are only, I believe, two left-handed starters in the entire AL Central this season, um, as of right now at least. So uh, so had tip to Vlad Sedler on that one, but... Uh, and I believe he was citing someone else as well. But um, so that's an intriguing for me. I, I still like Meadows more in a format where you can have daily lineups and just play him against righties because uh, I'm because he hasn't really shown that he can hit lefties right. very well so far. But he really can mash right-handers. Um, you know, in terms of ballpark too, it, it's not a great switch. I mean, most usually getting out of Tampa is good because the the eyesight uh, right. the the batter eye there is notoriously terrible. Um, but Detroit is not a great place for left-handed power. So uh, I could see people spinning that either way. I, I think he gets a little bit of an upgrade, but it's not like a massive boost. Yeah. But like what you said about there not being a ton of left-handed, you know, pitchers in the, within division, within the division, as far as starters, you know, he might just get a little bit more playing time than he would have in Tampa. So that's nice. And then yep, as far as Tampa goes, uh, you know, Josh Lowe, He's he's up and he's gonna get his he's gonna get a shot. I don't know if he's gonna bat very high in the lineup. It looks like roster resource has him projected to bat ninth, but you know the Rays they're gonna do all sorts of stuff. Um, I I saw Manuel Margot signed uh, an extension, I think. So I think Josh Lowe will get you know plenty of plenty of burn <laughs> in there, but um you know they still have their some other outfield outfielders there as well. So they'll mix it up. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where Josh Lowe like I bumped him up. Or I didn't even have him in my ranking, so I bumped him up somewhere around, I don't know, I'd have to find him, maybe 250 or so. I don't know where you had him or where you have him in your initial. Um, but he's a guy to definitely consider now. He's on the radar. Yeah, I have him right there at like 261. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, his minor league numbers last season were awesome. Uh, he hit uh, 291, 22 homers, and 26 steals in 111 games in AAA last season. So that's obviously the kind of – Numbers that catch your eye uh, if you play in roto uh, categories leagues. Um, there probably will be an adjustment. I mean, he had fairly high strikeout rates in the minors. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm looking at the projections now. Most of the projection systems have him striking out close to 30% of the time uh, in uh, Tampa. So the batting average could be could be a bit of an issue. I'm, I wouldn't <laughs> yeah. expect that 291 uh, to translate. Um, but like you said, the lineup is a moving target. I mean... The Rays, I feel like, generally bat their best players at the top. So I don't think mm-hmm. he's going to get to the top just because he has speed. Um, you know, Brandon Lau is is the uh, the leadoff hitter right now, and uh, Rosarena 
Wander Franco. So he's probably not getting into that top three anytime soon. But the rest of that lineup is kind of a jumbled mess. So you could see him <laughs> moving around. He won't necessarily be ninth all season. Yeah. And one other one other guy that I, I think you mentioned on the Closer podcast that you liked a little bit was Cole Sulser who, <laughs> for my yeah. Orioles. And then he got dealt off to Miami. And now what's left in the bullpen there is, I mean, Tyler Wells, I think they're going to make him a starter. And so what's left is kind of Jorge Lopez, who was a terrible starter last year. I was telling you before we got on, I was like, gosh, that guy seemed like every fourth or fifth inning, he would just blow a game and give up like five runs. But, <laughs> but hey, maybe he can throw an inning uh, if that's all you need to do. Uh, but Paul Fry, Dylan Tate, these are all guys who are going to be in the mix. Paul Fry's a lefty, so I could see him getting a handful of, of, of saves. But if they if it's they can settle, gross. yeah, it's gross. If you can settle on a guy, maybe he'll get ten saves. But I don't think Brandon Hyde's had a guy with ten saves, so that'll probably yeah. continue. Yeah, Cole Sulcer was one of my favorite closer sleepers, and uh, my other one was Daniel Hudson, and now they've both been mm-hmm. ruined by trades. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean I, that Orioles bullpen. Unless you're really, really desperate for saves, I'd probably just take a pass on that one. Yep. Um, I mean, I think it's okay to pick up a guy if they can give you some decent ratios, but um, none of those guys are great relievers. I mean, some might be a little more palatable than others, but it's not, you know, I'd rather, for example, have like David Bednar with the Pirates. He's a better pitcher than any of those guys. Right. Uh, And then the one final trade is uh, in the works. I don't know if it's actually been finalized yet, uh, but it sounds like Chris Paddock will be going to the Twins. Uh do you think that that makes any difference for his fantasy value? Um, I'd have to. I mean, I'd say <laughs> probably, probably even. I mean, they've been ch- kind of talking about trading him. Chris Paddock's a guy who had a decent season, what probably three years ago now, and he's had dealt with some injuries and stuff. Um, you know, the Twins are, are are looking like we we mentioned this on the starting pitcher podcast, and I kind of joked about Dylan Bundy, but other than him, I mean, like you know, Joe Ryan and and Bailey Ober are interesting guys. And uh, you know they got Sonny Gray over from Cincinnati, and he's he's kind of been up and down, but he's got some he's you know he's a veteran who's got some good skills. So uh, if Paddock can kind of figure things out, they at least have some pieces there, the Twins to to maybe compete, and that's probably what they're thinking. I like their lineup a little bit, you know, with Kirilov getting better. Mm-hmm. Buxton has been you know looking in, amazing in spring training, and if he can stay healthy, a lot of people are like you know he's he's a dark horse MVP candidate uh, if he can stay healthy. So I don't know. As far as Paddock himself, kind of even until we can kind of see what he can do, I would say. Yeah, I mean, the bloom has really come off the rose with him after uh, that 2019 season where he looked really great. Uh, it's been all downhill since then Yeah, uh, over these last two seasons. So he's definitely improved at territory at this point uh, for me. I still hold out a little bit of hope for him, though. I'm not, I'm not uh, totally giving up on him yet. Maybe a change of scenery would help. Uh, I did just see a rumor that Taylor Rogers could be involved in that deal going to the Padres, which would be crazy. Um, I don't know if he would be closing or setting up or how they would use him, but uh, that's definitely something to keep an eye on as well. Well, I think he'd be uh, setting up, and that I, I got a little, I got a little bold prediction later on a on a closer for uh, the Padres for you. <laughs> oh, uh-huh. okay. That's a teaser. That's what we call in the business, a teaser. Uh, all right. But before we get to those bold predictions, let's hop into uh, our movers and shakers. Yeah. For This is the first time Bart's doing the movers and shakers <laughs> with me, so I'm very excited. 
Uh, it's our second week of posting our rankings up at rsrankings.com. So now we have uh, some data to work with uh, to see which players uh, Bart and I moved up and down our rankings the most this week. So we'll just use that as sort of a starting point to discuss uh, some things that have happened. Uh, our biggest mover of the week, this probably won't surprise you, Craig Kimbrell, uh, moving into the closer role with the Dodgers from a setup role with the White Sox. That's kind of self-explanatory in terms of uh, the value. And we did we did touch on him briefly last week. Um, I, I'm you know I'm sticking with him in that erratic tier of uh, yeah closers on the back end of the top ten. Yep, I'm right there with you with with Kimbrell. Uh, definitely in yeah. the definitely a top ten closer. So he we have him in that our top 100. And then yep. Josh Lowe, who Josh we, Lowe. Just, we just yeah. we just mentioned him, but it's interesting we both bumped Alex Cobb up um, because he's he's been looking really good in spring training uh, and getting some increase of velocity on this fastball, and just he's one of those guys that's just get, getting a lot of steam. You're seeing people write him up and talk about him, and so I think we both kind of been hearing some of the same things and looking at it like, well, those Giants they're going to turn another you know former Oriole pitcher or whoever <laughs> into some Cy Young candidate. And why not Alex Cobb? <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I kind of wonder if I'm like, you know, getting suckered into this or right. not. Yeah. But I mean, he's 34 years old at this point. But uh, I just feel like we've seen so many unlikely uh, success stories of pit- older pitchers just um, finding their groove. You know, he's about the age he, that Charlie Morton was when he figured things out. Right. So, yeah. Uh, and, you know, last season he actually had a 9.45K per nine. Uh, that was the first time he had ever had it, or the first time he'd had over a 7K per nine since 2014. So <laughs> uh, it had been a while. Um, you know, his numbers last season were okay, not, not incredible, but certainly moving to San Francisco seems like a great spot and they do seem to have this tradition of figuring it out with these guys. So, yep. um, I, I kind of like the, uh, the upside there. It's, we'll have to see if it actually works out, but I think he's absolutely worth taking a chance on. Yeah. And especially where he's going. I mean, we, he was around 270 in our ranking and now he's around 180. So we bumped him up, you know, 90 spots or so, but he's still in that area of some other pitchers where you can, you know, yep. kind of take your, then take your other pick movers, you might like uh, you know, or not like, Right. Yep. So some other movers, you know, Kyle Higa, Higa Shioka. I don't. I never pronounce that right. Uh, you know, he's still he's still just a two catcher league kind of a guy, uh, but he's been crushing the ball in spring training. I think he has seven home runs this spring. Yeah, he's been uh, doing really well. Yeah, and with Gary Sanchez gone, that you know the door is wide open. It's obviously a great hitting environment. So I think in a two catcher league, you could definitely do worse than him. Uh, yeah. and then Lorenzo Cain is a guy that I just, I think I just didn't think about him enough coming into this season. <laughs> uh, cause you know, he's kind of, he's an older guy, you know, we, we know what he is, but yeah. what he is, is pretty good. And I think where does roster resource have him hitting in that, in that lineup? Cause I feel like he's right at the top. Oh, that's a good call. I'll have to pull that up, but he, you're right. He probably is near the top while I'm pulling that up. You know, yeah, another- they have him hitting second. Yeah. behind Colton Wong. So, I mean, it's going to be a lot of at-bats. Uh, we know he can steal some bases. Even last year, he had 13 steals in only 78 games. Uh, so, I think 20-plus steals seems quite possible. If he can just stay healthy, he could even get close to 30. Yeah. Uh, he, you know, he still has double-digit home run power, too. So, 
Um, it's kind of an interesting package. You know, these guys are always the forgotten guys, the old, the aging outfielders. Nobody really gets excited <laughs> about them, but uh, but he could be a sneaky value. Yeah, and another one there is is David Peralta, who you know I don't think we really had in our rankings, and then you know bumped bumped him up a little bit. Um, he's been having a good spring. And so, you know, he's a guy you can consider around kind of like the 300 to 350 overall range and, and, and someone who's probably going to bat third uh, for the Diamondbacks. So he's going to get a lot of plate appearances and probably hit 20 yeah. home runs and just be a boring kind of guy. But, you know, boring. will he hit 20 home runs, though? That's oh, see, yeah, maybe 15. Like I was remembering <laughs> the old David Peralta and I kind of bumped him up my rankings a bunch and then. I looked at the fact that he hit eight home runs in 150 games last year, and I bumped him back down. <laughs> That's a little scary. Yeah. Uh, so some other movers. I, I'm I've been warming more and more to Drew Rasmussen mm-hmm. uh, as a as a sleeper. Um, again, those Rays, they just seem to know how to manage a roster, you know. And um, we'll see. I mean, Rasmussen last year. The, the K to walk ratio wasn't amazing, but uh, he did post that 284 ERA. Um, he, he, he put up really big strikeout numbers in the minors. So I, I'm not too concerned that it was down a little bit last year. I mean, he was mostly pitching out of relief last year too. So yeah. we'll have to see how he transitions to being a starter, but um, I don't know. I, he, he feels like another young upside kind of arm um, that is worth like kind of wait, you know, stash and, and see kind of approach well yeah like you said kind of transitioning to a starter but like will he i mean like he, i'm looking he started 10 games last year but the rays just do some crazy stuff you know and like i could see him having some games where he just comes in and pitches a couple innings and he's the opener right because <laughs> they, they're facing a lot of righties or something and then i don't know the rays do a lot of crazy stuff but if regardless he is a good pitcher I think. And so like if you're in a league and you like to get guys who can help your ratios and, and things like that, and he get, gets you a lot of strikeouts. So he is, he's a good pitcher. I, I, I also him. just think like, I mean, he's roster resource has him as their like number two starter, you know, because <laughs> yeah, McClanahan's number one. And then Ryan Yarborough is three and he's the guy that you could classically see. <laughs> yeah. He's kind of, you know, opener. have an opener for him. Yeah. Uh, Kluber is, you know, old and injury prone. So, <laughs> I actually think they might need the innings out of Rasmussen this season. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. All right, let's see. We we talked about, so Nick Lodolo was a mover. Uh, Harrison Bader, it looks like looks like we both moved him kind of about the same amount. And that's kind of interesting to me. Um, I like I like a lot of the, I guess I kind of like the St. Louis outfield. Um, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a little bold prediction about one of those guys as well later. But not Bader, but I did move up him up a little bit too. We moved him up about fifty spots together. Yeah, that's that was just a coincidence, I guess. Yeah, because <laughs> there's not really been any news or anything that would have led us to do that. I just I think I kind of had it was a little bit of an oversight to have him as low as I did before. Uh, took a closer look at the numbers. I mean, sixteen homers and nine steals in 103 games last year—that's pretty solid. You know, mm-hmm. you, if he can get up to 140, 150 games all of a sudden you're, you're looking at a 2010 plus kind of season with a, a, a serviceable batting average. So, um, yeah, I think he's, he's kind of like the young man's Lorenzo Kane. <laughs> all right, let's see. And, and then, Oh, I wanted to mention AJ puck too, because, yeah. uh, he is just it, injuries have really sidetracked derailed his career, but he does seem to be healthy now. Uh, 
I saw a report that the A's really do. They would love for him to eventually become their closer. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were gushing about him. I saw them comparing him to Josh Hader. Uh, <laughs> Lou Trevino is going to be the closer to open the season, but uh, it seems like there's a good chance that he either uh, fails and and loses the job or is good and gets traded. Uh, either way, it's hard to imagine Trevino being the closer uh, the last couple months of the season. So, you know, Puck might be one of those guys that can help you with strikeouts and ratios um, while you're waiting and then eventually take over the closer role. So I like guys like that. Yeah, I mean, he's got he's got the, like, elite talent and pedigree, former first-round pick. So, yeah, he, he could be he could have some value for you for sure. Anyone else you want to talk about up here? This, these are guys who we've all we've all moved about fifty spots since since last time. <clears throat> we've got a lot more. Uh, well, I don't. I can't remember how much we talked about Keston here uh, last week, but I keep moving him up my rankings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still worry about the strikeout rate because yep. I mean, even the spring, he's still striking out an awful lot. Um, but he's got the power and the speed combo, and. You know, the confidence, I think, could be a big thing for him because it seems like he really lost his confidence last year. He's kind of changed his swing a little bit this year. Um, He's not doing this toe tap that he used to do. (laughs) Um, So maybe he can be a little more um, quick reacting to different different pitches than he was before where he had this sort of mechanical uh, process of swinging that forced him to uh, make a decision quicker on whether to swing the bat. I don't know. It, it, it's just, it, you know, the upside we saw in 2019 just makes me want to stash him and see what happens. Yeah. It seems like a common theme of this discussion. <laughs> yep. Another another guy I'll just mention real quick for me, Zach Gallon. I don't think, I don't know that you had moved him up much, but I know I did because I, I think I just had him a bit too low um, due to some injury concerns, but he's been pitching this spring. So I, I moved him up. You, you still have him, uh, you have him at 121 and I have him mm-hmm. around 200. And so maybe I'm still, a little bit too low on him, but I definitely I'm a big fan of Zach Allen. I just, I hope he's ready to go. It's, you mm-hmm. know, this, because of the, the lockout, um, this has been kind of a strange season, uh, in terms of figuring out starting pitchers, how far along they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like we're going to see more guys than usual. Uh, like we were talking about with Clevenger, maybe start the season, uh, a week or two late, or maybe, uh, only pitch like three or four innings in their first outing or something like that, you know? So that's one little concern I do have with gallon. I don't know if he's going to come out and throw six innings in his first start. Um, But I I just like the pitcher and I think he should be up and running before too long. Yeah. And it looks like you and I both moved up a lot of guys. We've already talked about like, like Bobby Witt, like Torkelson, uh, you know, Julio Rodriguez, some of these guys who are, who are going to get the shot. So obviously they've moved up. Yeah, we still have a big gap between our rankings of Bobby Witt and Julio Rodriguez. I wonder if those should be a little closer. Um, my gap is uh, smaller than yours because you're a little bit higher on Witt than me and a, and a lot lower on Julio compared mm-hmm. to me. But um, I don't know. They both have power speed. They both are super elite prospects. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, Witt, of course, has the position eligibility that you like um, and probably even more of that speed. But... Yeah, I don't know. I, I might have to make that a little closer. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone else you want to talk about on the uh, the movers and shakers? No. Well, what's why don't we why don't we talk about a few of the shakers, the droppers in the rankings? Oh yeah, uh, here I am. Know, we don't we <laughs> don't want right. to forget about those guys. That's right. Um, I mean, some of these will be nice and quick because they're about injuries or trades. Uh, you know, sapping their value. 
Uh, you know, the biggest droppers for us were Daniel Hudson and Blake Trinan, who were the two guys vying to be the closer for the Dodgers. So it makes sense that Kimbrell was the biggest gainer and those two guys were the biggest losers right. uh, in our rankings, especially in mine. Um, Joe Barlow. Yeah, I don't. Uh, they said they're not, that he's not going to be their closer. So right. yep. uh, if Joe Barlow is not closing, he's not really worth rostering because he's not a great pitcher. So. Yeah. Uh, you know, he doesn't have that standalone value. Uh, it sounds like that Texas situation could be extremely messy, and uh, it might be a, one of those situations where it's it's some veteran uh, former closer that ends up being the guy like a Matt Bush or a Greg Holland. Yeah, and they, you know, the the Rangers, I think, have the worst odds to win that division, so they're not expected to win a ton of games, so the save opportunities could be few and far between as well. Yep, yep. James Karinchak is another guy that had to drop just because he is hurt right now. Uh, I still like stashing him. I I, ha- I did stash him in an IL spot. Uh, so I think he's one of those pitchers I would recommend stashing because uh, if he does come back and, and looks like himself, I still think, uh, you know, Classe is the closer, but and he just signed an extension too. But you never know if he, he might slip up. I mean, Karinchak has that prototypical – closer stuff so even if he's not closing he could be a really move the needle in in like k per nine leagues uh with with that uh strikeout ability yeah we've got we've got a lot of other kind of relief pitchers that have fallen like uh tanner rainey uh anthony bender because of the cole salser trade so it's a little bit more more muddled in miami now uh pierce johnson for san diego um like you just mentioned taylor rogers might come over there and they already have um you know, they already have Robert Suarez, and we talked about Dennis, uh, Dennison Lamette, and some other guys who could close. Emilio so, Pagan, yeah. Yeah, Pagan, who's also been kind of in some trade rumors, I think, with the Mets. Yep. Um, yep. So, kind of interesting to see what will shake out there, but I don't think Pierce Johnson's going to be in the mix for, for saves, personally. Yeah, I don't either. Um, Michael Pineda's hurt, so, you know, he, he sinks like an anchor in the rankings. Uh, we mentioned Riley Green. Uh, Jack Flaherty is on the aisle, and uh, it's just it's looking kind of vague how long mm-hmm. that's going to be. So I think he had to drop down the ranking some as well. I still have hope for him this season, but I have him down around 159 in my rankings right now just yeah. because of the uncertainty of that uh, shoulder injury. Um, Scott Barlow, I should mention both Barlows uh, <laughs> dropped big time for me this week. Um, I just I, I I don't know this. I saw something on Twitter that the the Royals official website is listing Amir Garrett as the closer and not mm. Scott Parlow. That yeah. may mean nothing at all, uh, but I, it just kind of goes to show that Scott Barlow is not really strongly locked into that closer job. You know, it's like yeah. something that could just evaporate very quickly. Yeah, I couldn't have told you that Amir Garrett was on the Royals. Um, I mean, he, he, he got some saves for the, for the Reds, uh, a couple seasons ago. Was it, I don't know. He, I guess he dealt with some injuries last year, but he was, he, he got a few saves, uh, there with the Reds, right? I'm trying to look him up. Uh, yeah, I think he did. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if, if he's got a little bit of experience, he could be an option. Um, yeah. I'll take a look at that. Uh, and then I did drop Jonathan VR some in my rankings just because <laughs> I'm a little bit worried about the playing time. Uh, after looking into it more, I don't think it's as much of a slam dunk that he's going to play every single day. Right. Uh, I still think he'll play mo- more often than not, but 
Uh, roster resource has him as a bench player right now, so we'll just we'll have to see. I mean, it works to his favor that he can really play all over the field. Um, yeah. So that should help him get in the lineup uh, fairly regularly. And I do like his upside in roto categories leagues for both home runs and stolen bases. Uh, so he's still a player I would roster. Uh, it's nice the position eligibility, second, third, and short. Um, that's the ideal kind of player to have on your bench where you can just slot him in anywhere. Uh, but we will have to keep track of that playing time with him. It's not a certainty that uh, he's going to get like, you know, 500 plus at bats. Yeah. We've already mentioned some of these other guys, like, but Chris Sale, I thought was interesting. You know, we both lowered him a bit, but uh, you have him at 160, I think. And I mm-hmm. have him around more, you know, closer to 100. So that's a, it's a big gap. So even though you like the upside, you still, I think, are taking a lot more pitchers, healthy pitchers ahead of <laughs> Sale. Than I would, I yeah, guess. yeah. I I think so. I I just felt like I had to I had to do that once I saw that he was on the sixty day deal because I yeah. was initially hoping that it would be less. But again, right. that's you know that's really league dependent as well. I mean, if you're if you're in a league where there's lots of IL spots and you just really want to shoot for upside, if there's like good pitchers on the waiver wire all the time, uh, ten or twelve team league with um, you know plenty of good options, then I would probably say sale is deserves to be treated a, a little higher up in the rankings than I have him. But, um, you know, I tried to kind of address all the average kind of league and and uh, the middle ground on that, I guess. Yeah. Well, do you uh, wanna... I did move Andrew Vaughn down as well, even though I do really like him. Um, I, I was a little worried about the A.J. Pollock trade and just, like, could yeah. there be uh, some ramifications for Vaughn? I, I think Sheets is the primary loser from that, but... Uh, it does put pressure on Vaughn to have to hit to stay in the lineup. Um, so, you know, it could go either way, honestly. Um, but uh, I'm hoping I'm hoping Vaughn will play enough. I still have him rostered, uh, but I, I had to move him down a little to reflect that uncertainty. Yeah, that makes sense. I was just going to say, is there anyone, any, anyone else other than Vaughn who you want to look at here uh, in our shakers? No, I think we're good. You want to move on to some bold predictions? Let's get to it. <laughs> All right. I don't know if you organized your bold predictions <laughs> in terms of boldness or anything, but uh, mine are kind of just a mishmash, really. <laughs> That's fine. I, you know, I started to kind of order them in sort of like my favorites at the beginning, uh, maybe, okay. but um, just in case, because like honestly, when we were talking about this, I was like. Uh, maybe do like five or six. And then I started putting a list together and I had like 12, 15, and then I started narrowing it down. So I was like going all over the place. So yeah, I yeah. started kind of getting my favorites toward the, toward the front. Fair enough. I, I mostly just put my bigger, the bigger names uh, towards the front. Okay. Some smaller names a little later. Uh, so why don't you get us started with your, your first bold prediction for 2022? All right. Uh, my first is uh, Dylan Carlson. I'm going to say that he has a 2020 season, batting leadoff for the Cardinals, and he's a top 20 outfielder. And it's basically, you know, he's going to have a season like Randy Rosarena did last year. Um, He was a 2020 guy. If you look at his numbers, it was kind of like nothing spectacular, but in a, you know, in a 5x5 league, like if you can do 2020, that's, that's something. And while Dylan Carlson is not the super speedy guy. I really like that he's probably going to bat lead off and Tommy Edmond is becoming kind of an afterthought and maybe moving to the bottom of that order. I think what they're kind of doing with Edmond is like, they're, he might even end up batting eighth or ninth 
and have a little bit of speed down there at the bottom now that they have the DH and they're going to kind of mix some things up. But in any event, Carlson does have like kind of like 75th percentile speed and he stole 20 bases in 2019 in 126 minor league games. So he, he has the ability. We've seen it. So I don't know. I just like uh, Dylan Carlson to jump into that top 20 and everyone's talking about Tyler O'Neill, but I think Carlson will be the guy who surprises. Nice. I, I'm thinking I need to move Carlson up in my rankings a little bit. I actually think I just noticed the other day that he was too low and uh, I don't think I've, I don't think I've adjusted for that yet. So I think the Go batting ahead. leadoff thing is, is, is pretty big if that sticks, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't, I mean, the stolen bases is the big question mark. Uh, yeah. You know, like you said, he had, uh, a lot of steals in the minors, uh, 20 steals in 2019. And, uh, but you know, just one steal in 35 <laughs> games in 2020 and yep. two in 149 games last year. So he has three steals in his last 184 games. Uh, that's not a lot. <laughs> no, it's not. So, you know, it really is. I mean, I get the narrative that he's at the top of the lineup, so maybe he'll run now. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. And that's the big question because uh, I feel like his power is still developing. Um, and the batting average, you know, I, he was never like a huge batting average guy in the minors. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I think it's like – I like. Based on everything other than steals, I would prefer Alex Kirilov to him. I feel like they're mm. maybe sort of similar players, but I, I trust Kirilov's bat skills better, more. Yeah. Um, but it's the question of the speed, because I don't think Kirilov is likely to steal many bases. If Carlson brings that to the table, then that could be a difference maker. Yep. Well, uh, who do you have with your first bowl prediction here? Well, I've talked about these guys a lot, but I have to start with three starting pitchers that I that I really love. I'm going to say that Justin Verlander, Carlos Rodon, and Clayton Kershaw all finished as top 10 fantasy starters. Ooh, yeah, that's spicy. Yeah. <laughs> all the old guys. Well, it's Rodon's like not too old. But. What, what do you call that in betting? Is that like a parlay? Or... <laughs> yeah, there you yeah. go. So yeah. it's, it's a little parlay bet. Nice. <laughs> uh, if, if just one of them makes it, I'll, I'll, take, uh, I'll take credit for that. But <laughs> Partial credit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean... Yeah, I've talked about these guys a lot. Verlander, uh, I just me- I just named him my my pitching league winner for a uh, fantasy pros article yep. the other day. Saw that. Um, yeah, I mean, he was the number one player in fantasy in t- the last time that he was healthy, and not just pitcher, just player. Period. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was in 2019, and then the year before that, he was the number seven player. So, <laughs> it's not ancient history that this guy was dominating and. The, the reports this spring have been great. Um, he, you know, people come back from Tommy John really strong nowadays. It's not like it was in the eighties and nineties where it would ruin a career. Um, the, the Astros have no incentive to hold him back, uh, with an innings limit or anything like that. They're just going to ride him into the sunset, you know? Yep. Um, uh, so, and great team context, of course. So I love Verlander. Rodon. I mean, we just saw it last year. I, you know, I think a lot of people are afraid because it was such a dramatic improvement from what he had been before that, and it was based on just a huge increase in velocity. Um, and he did fade down the stretch, so that is that is all true. But uh, he's back throwing that hard again mm-hmm. <laughs> this spring, and uh, I, you know, I don't. I, I mean, the situation now is even better. I mean, he's gone from the White Sox 
to the Giants. I mean, that's a great park improvement for him. Uh, I, you know, I just, I think like he's got elite strikeout upside, elite ratio upside, a good, uh, good pitching environment. Um, and I just, you know, I'm just, he doesn't even need to quite match what he did last year, honestly, because he faded down the stretch and he was still, uh, a top seven starting pitcher in fantasy. So, um, you know, if he can just, uh, if he can last a little longer, uh, then he doesn't have to be quite as dominant when, when he does. Um, and then finally Kershaw, I, you know, I get it. People think he's not going to pitch very many mm-hmm. innings and that's really what this is all about. But I, I don't really, I don't know if why people are so sure of that. I mean, yes, he only threw 121 and two thirds last year, but he threw 58 and a third in 2020, which was a, a healthy amount for the shortened season. And, uh, you know, he was over 160 in each of the three years before that. Um, so really, I, you know, maybe he used to be a 220, 230 inning guy. So if you're going to compare anybody to that, it's going to look bad. <laughs> no one no one does that anymore, <laughs> you know. Um, but like 160 innings, I think he could absolutely get there. 170, I think, is in play. And if he does that, I mean, just look at – he's still striking out a ton of guys. His walk rate is minuscule, pinpoint accuracy. Um his ERA of 3.55 last year, the peripheral suggests it should have been lower, closer to uh, three or maybe even below three. So, uh, I don't think we've seen much of a skill decline. Uh, and as long as he gets those innings, I think he can get there. Yeah, I think with Kershaw, that was the big thing I was going to ask you because the other guys I can see it a little more. Um, Kershaw, I just feel like the Dodgers with him, like yeah, he threw almost 60 innings in that shortened season, but like that's fine. He can. Th- he, he can throw 60 innings in spurts. I feel like the Dodgers are going to shut him down for some mysterious injury in like June and he'll miss a month and it, he'll be fine, but it's, it'll, it'll be like load management. So I think just like he'll either have an injury or it'll be somewhat of an injury uh, in quotes. And I think he'll kind of get load managed a little bit um, for the yeah, playoffs. Yeah, sure, but he could miss it. I mean, but he could miss a month and still get over 160 yeah, innings. But he might miss so. two months. <laughs> I don't know. I think that's a little. Yeah. I, I don't. I, I don't know why people are so confident that that's going to happen. I like it. <laughs> when it it's bold. Has almost never happened. It's bold. It's a bold yeah. prediction. Yeah. All right. Who? What's your number two? All right. My number two is. Uh, I, I alluded to this uh, earlier, but my number two is that Robert Suarez is a top five closer. Mm. <laughs> so, and uh, you know, hear me out. I don't know how bold it is because you know. Like closers, as you know, are pretty volatile, and like anybody could kind of go up to that. But my case for for Suarez is like it's pretty simple. Um, I mean, Mark Melanson led all of baseball last year with 39 saves, and he was a Padre, so that's some of it. And he's now in Arizona. Um, the Padres signed Robert Suarez, you know, this off season after he posted a 1.16 ERA and a .77 WHIP and got 42 saves with the Hanshin Tigers in Japan. <laughs> and he was he was a closer in that role the year before as well. He got, uh, let's see, he had 25 saves um, in 2020 as well. So, you know, he's looked sharp in the spring. We're hearing from, like, a beat, beat reporters that he might, like, they think that he's going to get the first shot at closer duty. So, like, I think if that happens, you know, if he gets the first shot, if he gets a couple saves here in April, I like him to just be in that role and get 35 saves or so like uh, Melanson did last year. I don't know if he'll lead the majors in saves, but I don't see why he couldn't. I think the Padres will be a solid team. So, yeah. 
That's my bold. I like it. Yeah, why not? <laughs> I, I got to see that. Uh, so you said a beat reporter said he's he thinks he's going to be the guy. Yeah, it was either a beat reporter. Or, you know, I've been reading a lot of the Athletic later, lately, so it might have been. Uh, but you know, they have a lot of beat reporters. You know, who kind of contribute to the Athletic, so it might have been might have been there. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, they they think he's going to have the first shot. But again, like we talked about earlier, I don't think we really know yet. But so I'm I'm right. projecting Anytime here. Be- Right, with beat reporters on speculating on saves, it's yep. always a dicey <laughs> proposition because it's it's really just an educated guess. Yeah, more educated than ours, but still <laughs> just an educated guess. Yeah, um, yeah, I can't really argue with it. I uh, I'm intrigued. I did you have to brush up on your Japanese to go look up all those stats? Yeah, no, man. Google Translate. No, just plug <laughs> it right in. <laughs> nice <laughs> technology. Uh, yeah. All right. So my number two, I, I mentioned uh, my number one referenced. Um, Verlander, who I mentioned in that Fantasy Pros piece. The other guy I mentioned in that Fantasy Pros piece was Eloy Jimenez. And I think he's going to be the Vladimir Guerrero Jr. of 2022. Nice. Uh, so, what I, you know, he was destined for superstardom, really, before that torn pectoral right before the season last year just kind of ruined his, his season. He still came back and hit decently, but not on the same level that he was in 2020 when he was, like, on pace to go 300 batting average, 40 homers, 120 RBIs, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think it's in play that he could get close to those numbers. Uh, you know, he's an elite uh, prospect. He was an elite prospect. Uh, he is in a great lineup in a great ballpark. Um, and he doesn't steal bases, but Vlad, Gamer- Vlad Guerrero Jr. doesn't steal bases either. So uh, I really love the potential for Eloy Jimenez. I think he's... Um, like Vlad going outside of like Vlad was last year going outside of the first four rounds of drafts and I think uh, he could be like a top 10 fantasy player this season nice I like that yeah you've mentioned Eloy before so I like that that's that's nice and bold Uh, Mm -hmm. my next my next one maybe you can help me out with how bold I should make this but um this one is uh Jesse Winker is not a top 50 outfielder and maybe you can tell me if you think that that's bold enough i would gladly move it to top 60 or even more because i just okay i don't know i just don't like he's his adp right now is like the outfielder 30 so i'm basically saying he's gonna finish you know 20 outfielders below but honestly like that's about where i have him ranked is like outfielder 50 so like i could be convinced mm-hmm. in saying he's gonna go even lower because i just look at like we just got done talking about julio rodriguez coming up kyle lewis when he gets healthy i think it's possible that jesse winker you know who is terrible against left-handed pitching could end up being a platoon player anyway. And if he has a rough April or May, he could just miss out on playing time. Um, that could be a lot of it um, because I think that they just have some good outfielders there. So maybe he'll DH, but again, I think just platoon. And uh, I just think Winker coming over from Cincinnati where he had a great hitting environment to Seattle and that division and uh, that home stadium, I think could really, it could just really sap his power. Yeah, I like that one a lot. I'm I'm out on Winker as well. Uh, you should at least say top sixty. Uh, yeah, that's fair. But yeah, I mean, he was about he finished about as outfielder thirty last year, and that was hitting three oh five uh, with twenty four home runs, which was <laughs> eight more than he had ever hit in any other season. Um, he has he he often has trouble staying healthy too, so that's another mark against him. I think uh, no no offers nothing in stolen bases. Yeah. Hard pass. <laughs> yeah. I could say he's not a top 60 outfielder. Cause that's right around like ADP 200. So not a top 200 player, let's say. Yeah. There you go. That, yeah. I like the sound of that. Yeah. Cause there he's getting go. drafted around pick 100 right now. So that, that makes it nice and easy. We'll do that. Good. good. 
All right. So my third bold prediction is another one that mentions two uh, multiple pitchers. <laughs> I'm going to say that Logan Gilbert and Michael Kopech are both top 25 fantasy starters Ooh, this season. Nice. I like I like yeah. I like the Gilbert. Maybe you might yeah. need to convince me a little on Kopech, but. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess I can talk about Kopech first then. Uh, well, what you know, I what can I say? I mean, this guy's just got fantastic stuff, and he's finally getting the chance uh, to show it off. I mean, his career has just kind of been sidetracked by by uh, Tommy John and and uh, the pandemic, and um, but he consistently missed bats at a huge rate uh, throughout the minors. Uh, last season he pitched in relief, but he had a 13.37 K per nine rate. Uh, walks can sometimes be a little bit of an issue, but he's just got dominating stuff. And I kind of feel like if everything can just click for him, the sky is really the limit in terms of what he can do. Um, you know, I guess the one thing is how many innings does he throw? Uh, that's the big question. Cause I mm-hmm. think he's going to be pretty dominant in the innings that he does throw. Um, but even if he just gets you know, 140 or something like that. Um, I still think he could sneak into that top 25. Okay. And then if you can, do you want to talk about Gilbert or we can move on to the next? You, uh, you know, I, I mean, I've <laughs> talked about him before. I, uh, I, I love this fastball. It's just a dominating pitch. I hope he, I, I, I think he can add some um, second, get better results with his secondary pitches this year. And that's going to be the key to really breaking through. Uh, I mean, he wasn't bad for for his first go around last season, uh, you know. But you look at the minor league numbers and you see even more potential. I mean, he was just filthy dominant in the minors, and it's a good pitching park, good environment to to be in. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I think he's going to take off. All right, uh, next one I have is a is a pitcher, uh, starting pitcher this time, and I, I think I mentioned this one maybe in our starting pitcher podcast. But I have a uh, Hyunjin Ryu being the best fantasy starting pitcher for the Blue Jays and I think that's saying something because you know they their rotation with Jose Barrios uh, Kevin Gaussman uh, Alec Manoa these guys are all being being drafted well above Ryu uh, so and then you know they also have Yusei Kikuchi who's going later in drafts but to say that he'll he'll out you know outperform all those other guys I think is going out on a little bit of a limb maybe not as bold as some of my others but um, still those guys are all being drafted as like top 25 or so pitchers and Ryu is not. So we talked about him on starting pitcher podcast. I like him to bounce back. I think he was dealing with some personal stuff last year that is a little bit narrative, but even still we've seen him be, you know, pretty elite. Uh, Like in 2019, he just had that, you know, and even 2018, he had some really good seasons where his ERA was around two great whip, great control, not a great strikeout rate, but I, I don't, you know, I think he could be the type of guy with the blue Jays. Everyone expects him to be, really good I could see Ryu being that 20 game winner on that uh, out of that rotation just by pure luck even <laughs> you know because mm-hmm. wins mm-hmm. aren't really that predictable yeah and I, I like the fact that he did have that really nice season his first year in Toronto so that sort of undermines that argument that like yeah. you could only do it in LA right all right so my next bold prediction is that Luis Castillo finishes outside of the top 50 fantasy starters <laughs> Okay. Uh, I I had sort of soured on Castillo even before uh, he got hurt, but mm-hmm. now he's likely going to miss all of April, so that puts him at even more of a disadvantage. Uh, but I just think you look at the overall track record, and it's he's just one of these players that I think is a little bit overrated in fantasy, even when he's healthy. 
uh, just because of that whip. I mean, that whip is just rarely helpful. Um, a lot of walks, uh, and he gives up his fair share of hits too, you know, so he's pretty good at run prevention. Like he's, he's always a pretty good bet to have a, a sub four ERA. Uh, but the other numbers just don't add up so much. And um, the strikeout rate was down significantly last year. Uh, you know, everyone remembers how bad things were at the beginning of the year for him and how he got better in the second half. Uh, but even then, he he wasn't really truly dominant. So um, there's just a lot of red flags. If you give me the the um, the issue with the whip and the injury, I uh, I'm just fully out on Luis Castillo at this point. Okay, fair enough. Um, for my next one. Uh, and and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna combine a couple since since you've been combining a couple and I want to make sure we get through some of these, so I'm gonna say that Bobby Witt Jr. is a top five shortstop because saying he'd be a top five third baseman is just not that bold. But shortstop is a pretty stacked position, so I'll say he's a top five shortstop, and his teammate Salvador Perez is not a top five catcher. <laughs> so. Um, you know, we haven't talked about Bobby Witt uh, a ton. I mean, I guess we probably mentioned him on the shortstop and or the third base podcast, but um, the fact that he has third base eligibility really bumped him up my rankings. But I think to say he could be a top five shortstop in his first season is pretty bold considering there are shortstops like Trey Turner, Bo Bichette, Xander Bogarts, Marcus Simeon, Tim Anderson, Trevor Story. The list goes on and on. Don't forget <laughs> I mean, Francisco Lindor. Francisco Lindor, Corey Seager. Javi Baez, I'm just kind of rolling through, but I mean, there's so many guys at the shortstop position that um, it might be tough for him to break through and be a top 10. Uh, so I'll go top five. Certainly, I think he could be a top five third baseman. And then with Perez, you know, it just comes down to, I don't know, like there's <laughs> there's probably some regression. There's some guys that I like, um, you know, like Dalton Varsho. I really like Will Smith a lot. Um, JT Real Muto is often up on that on that list. You know, I like Yasmani Grandal is kind of a, that boring guy, but he's on a great team. And then someone else might just break through. We've talked about guys like Kiebert Ruiz, if, if Rutschman can come up in a month or two. I know he's dealing with an injury, but there's just guys who I think could, could come up. And if Perez, you know, if he misses 20 games or so too, you know, he's been relatively healthy. He'll probably DH a bunch. But yeah, I just think like that just, it just goes to my point of like, don't, I wouldn't take him like in the first three or four rounds like a lot of people are. Yeah. Well, you know, I agree with that. And I yeah. actually had Salvador Perez on my bold predictions <laughs> as well. Uh, I had that he will finish outside of the top 100 players okay. in fantasy value. And also that he will finish behind both Kiebert Ruiz and Alejandro Kirk okay. uh, in fantasy value. I think both of those guys, this is a little bit too bold, I think. I said they <laughs> could both be top three fantasy catchers. Uh, I was going to say top five. Um, then I was like, nah, what the hell? I'll go with top three. Um, but I think they ab- they both could absolutely do it. What, you know, Or one each of them could do that. Whether they both do it is, yeah. uh, is a little trickier. But I really love Keeper Ruiz and Alejandro Kirk. I think they're, um, they're really talented hitters for catchers. I, Ruiz just has fantastic contact skills. And Kirk has, uh, is just an all-around masher you know and he's gonna be mostly playing dh too so that helps that he won't have to worry about uh catching and taking that beating behind the plate uh so as long as he gets regular playing time i think he's got tons of upside yeah that sounds good um what about um well you want to you want to give another one or you want me to keep sure going? yeah go ahead well i'll keep i'll keep trashing on uh pitchers here i'm robbie ray <laughs> i 
think is going to finish outside of the top 30 fantasy starters. <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, I kept pushing that one down lower and lower <laughs> because I think I initially was just sort of going with the herd on him a little bit. I mean, I was always below consensus on him, um, but I now I'm sort of like marking my line in the sand with right. him. I, I just don't trust Robbie Ray at all. I mean, he was great last year, no doubt, but he's had so many seasons where he wasn't great. And in fact, the last time he had a top 12 uh, starting pitcher season was back in 2017, and he followed that up with three bad seasons in a row. So uh, the track record with Robbie Ray is is that he can look great at times, but you have to you ha- he's 30 years old, and I think you have to take his whole career uh, in a big picture way rather than just look at last season and go the recency bias route. You know, because that that control could depart him at any time. I, I mean. His walk rate is close to four batters per nine for his career. Uh, His 2020 season was actually his worst walk rate he's ever had uh, and his worst ERA. (laughs) So uh, I just think he's the kind of guy that could implode. Uh, He'll always give you the strikeouts. Realistically, I think numbers like his 2019 season could definitely happen, like 430 ERA and 135 whip with a lot of strikeouts. Um but that's not what you're paying for. That's going to be a major disappointment if if he reverts back to that form. Yep. Well, I already knew about your disdain for Robbie Ray, but it's interesting that I did a similar thing with Winker, where I just kind of kept moving him down and down, and it's like, you know what? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna be way down on Winker this year, and I'll, yep, <laughs> I'll yep. be right or wrong, but one way or the other. Um, yep. So what else you got? So uh, I've got. Um, so to trash on someone else, I guess I'll say Alex Bregman is not a top twelve third baseman. Um, mm. Yeah, we've already we've talked. I talked about Bregman. I think we had a little bit of a rankings dispute with him. I, I'm sure you had him a bit higher than I did, but I I don't know. I just kind of kept looking at that 2019 season and and then 2020 and 2021. Just he didn't just totally regress year after year, but just hasn't really done done it since then. And it's tough. It's tough betting against a guy who's 28 in that Astros lineup, and he he has you know he's a former first round pick, number two overall. So he is a he's he's a good player, but also, since we did the third base podcast, we've had guys like Bobby Witt Jr. come up. He's, he's going to be third base eligible. Spencer Torkelson, uh, Chris Bryant got traded to the Rockies. So, um, you know, after we did that third base position, I was like throwing up in my mouth a little bit. But honestly, third base is not that, you know, it's, it's, it's improved with some of that. So I think some of those guys might step up. And um, yeah, I just kind of like Bregman to be kind of meh. And I'd say he'll finish outside of the top 12 third baseman. Okay. We don't have him that far apart in our rankings, actually. I just looked. I got him at sixty-four. You got him at seventy-nine. So okay, it's not a huge, a huge difference. Uh, but I, yeah, I mean, I'm not. I I think there are definitely some serious concerns with Bregman. I just think, given the state of that position, and and I think the discussion we had at the time was him versus Rendon, and I think I would still take Bregman over Rendon. Mm-hmm. I think when you start bringing these rookies into the discussion, it changes a little bit, but. Um, but yeah, I, I think Bregman will have a, a decent bounce back this year. Uh, All right, who's up next for you? Okay, so I'm going to go with Marcelo Zuna. I think he's going to be a top 10 fantasy outfielder Nice uh, this season. Yeah, uh, he was a top 12 overall player twice before. So yeah. uh, he's definitely shown this ability in the past. Uh, I think he's a forgotten man this year. It seems... Uh, I think he's the player I'm most above the the expert consensus on at Fantasy Pros uh, right now. Um, 
So, yeah, I just I, I don't see any reason that he can't bounce back. He's 31 years old. Um, you know, it was a rough season last year, but his his BABIP was so much lower than usual. His strikeout rate was right in line with previous seasons. Uh, I just I think he's still the same player that he's been in the past. You know, the, the biggest years he's had have kind of been maybe a little uh, BABIP fueled in the other direction. So I get that. But um I mean, he had 37 home runs in 2017, uh, and he had 18 in only 60 games in 2020. So he can go on these huge power binges. Uh, He can steal bases if he wants to. I mean, he had 12 as recently as 2019. So he can chip in a little bit there, uh, maybe a handful of steals. Um, It's a great situation, great lineup. Should be plenty of run production opportunities there in Atlanta. Uh, so yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm all in on Marcelo Zuna, as long as you can put the, uh, off the field stuff to the side, you know, and I, I totally respect anyone that doesn't want to draft Marcelo Zuna for those reasons. Well, let me, let me give you one that's pretty off the wall here. I know before we got started, I mentioned Albert Pujols that I added him to my rankings. So I'm going to give you one on the, on the old guy going back to St. Louis. And I wasn't even really considering this one too much, but I'm, I I just think this one's going to be fun. So DraftKings has a futures bet special since Pujols is sitting at 679 career home runs. So for him to hit 700, if you want to do a quick math, that's 21 home runs that he needs. So they have a special that is a 10 to 1 odds to hit 21 home runs this year. So I've got a $100 free bet that has burned a hole in my pocket, and I might just drop it on Pujols to hit 21 home runs this year. Because I'm looking at this, and you know he had 17 last season uh you know shortened season he had six but i'm just looking you know as we go back he had 23 19 23 i don't want to go back too far you know we, we know Pujols has had some great seasons but with the universal dh there if he can stay healthy um i don't know i think he'll get plenty of i think he'll get plenty of uh plate appearances and play you know last last year he had 17 and just 109 games so i think it's very possible as long as he's not batting 220 or so and really killing uh the the lineup with his average that he might stick around and have like we've seen magical seasons i know everyone remembers mark mcguire hitting all those home runs there and i'd love to see something i'm not a cardinals fan but i would love to sound like one tonight i know right (laughs) well i'm 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 gonna put i think i'm gonna put my money where my mouth is here and just lay lay a bet on old pools to hit 21 home (laughs) runs this year you're you're embracing the st louis stars of the past and the future Yep. with Pujols and D- Dylan Carlson. Yep, there you go. <laughs> uh, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna pour a little uh, pour a little cold water on your your cardinal love, uh, and I'm gonna say that Tommy Edmond is the most overdrafted player in all of fantasy <laughs> this season, and that he will be benched <laughs> by May for Nolan Gorman. All right, hey, this helps both of the things that I brought up, so I'm all with I'm all about it. <laughs> yeah, I just I I think I mean. You know, I was I was uh, pissing all over Edmund even before he got uh, moved to the bottom of the yep. order. Um, so that's just the first step. The second step is that he just loses his starting job, and I think that's that's next because he's just not a special player in any way. I mean, if it wasn't for those stolen bases, um, no no one would even no one in fantasy would even pay any mind to him. You know, it's. Um, the, the, those have this disproportionate value that makes us uh, gravitate towards players who aren't very good. <laughs> but 
real teams don't have to do that. <laughs> they don't care that he can steal 30 bases. That's not that valuable for winning real life baseball games. Um, and Nolan Gorman is a fantastic prospect, very exciting player. And I think that's the obvious opening for him uh, will be at second base, stepping in for Tommy Edmonds. So I think as soon as the service time issues are passed and as long as Gorman is um, doing well in the minors and hitting hitting well, I think we're going to see a changing of the guard there at some point. Okay, cool. I've got a. Uh, I think I've got like two left, and I'm just going to throw them throw them both together. Um, yeah, I got one left. So okay, that's perfect. I've. Uh, I'm going to say that Luis Garcia and Tony Gonsolin both finish as top twenty starting pitchers. So Luis Garcia is probably not quite as bold, um, but I'm pulling. I'm pulling a U here. I'm going to put them both in there, right? So they both have to be at tw- top parlay. 20. Yeah, do a little parlay. So Luis Garcia is being drafted around like the SP40. Uh, Gonsolin, he's much lower. But, you know, you, talk, you talked about Kershaw earlier. And, like, I just think with that rotation, with with guys, you know, being hurt or rested or if they go to a six-man, I think Gonsolin will get plenty of starts this year. And I don't know. We saw, like, what Julio Urias did last year. And I think Gonsolin could put it together. As far as uh, Luis Garcia, I'm just looking at, like, what he did in the minors with his K rate. Um he hasn't really done it yet in the majors, but he's still really young. And his K rate was almost 10, you know, per nine last year. You know, he, he, he had like a, around a three ERA and then a three, five last year. So I think he's a kind of a guy who I could see on the upswing and kind of be the, the number one for the Astros who are expected to win uh, that division and win a lot of games. And they're even, a you know, world's well, they're, I think they're probably the favorite up there with uh, the blue Jays to win the AL. Yeah, I like Garcia a lot. I don't really get why he's been so buried in a lot of rankings and draft uh, ADP data yeah. and all that. Um, he's, I mean, those strikeout numbers in the minors were huge, so you could see some additional growth there. And uh, he's consistently put up great ERAs. Gonsolin, I, I'm intrigued by, but I, I'm a little worried about that walk rate. 5.5 walks per nine last year. Granted, it was only in 55 innings, but... Um, he'll need to get that under control. I mean, he had some walk issues at various times in the minors as well. So that's the one concern I have with him, but uh, certainly the Dodgers have always seemed to find these guys and put them into the role and then they produce. So I I don't hate that at all. Yeah. Uh, And then my final bold prediction is that Andres Jimenez hits 15 homers and 30 steals uh, this season. Yeah. All right. Um, So he's, I mean, he's showing the, showing the speed in the minors. He stole 28 or more bases twice in the minors. And then just last year between AAA and Cleveland, he had 15 homers and 19 steals in only 120 games. So uh, it's there. The skill set is there. You know, last year it did not go according to plan, but he's still just, uh, I believe, 23 years old. So uh, that, you know, sometimes there's bumps in the road for these guys, but... Uh, this guy was the uh, second overall prospect in the Guardians uh, farm system before uh, coming up, and I believe he was similarly regarded um, with the Mets uh, before he was traded over to Cleveland. They they made a priority to get go and get him, and I think he's a big part of their future. And, yeah, I think uh, speed is hard to find these days, especially with <laughs> double-digit home runs. So uh, I really love him as a late pick, uh, especially with that second base and shortstop dual eligibility. Nice. Well, he'd have more value than Miles Straw if he does that, because Miles Straw isn't hitting that many home runs. <laughs> oh my God, he's definitely. I'll I'll take that bat. He'll have more value than Miles Straw. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I think I think we each got about ten there. If uh, I I think I got through ten. 
10 yeah, I got through 10. I combined a few of them. But yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, cool. Well, that was fun. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll have to come back and look at this towards the end of the season, and we can laugh at ourselves. <laughs> uh, that will, that's always fun. Or take giant victory laps, whatever the case may be. Yes. Uh, but yeah, thank, thank you all for listening. Uh, please do go to rosrankings.com. You can see our updated rest of season rankings which uh, or draft rankings which will officially become rest of season rankings starting tomorrow <laughs> when opening day commences Woo! uh yeah right uh you can follow me on twitter at andrew underscore Seifter. and you can follow me on twitter at barton wheeler we appreciate everyone listening to the podcast if you like the show please follow subscribe rate and review we are out of here we go You've been listening to the Rest of Season Rankings Podcast. Go to www.rosrankings.com for more.